Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. Will you stop your damn sniveling, son? Buck up, Bart. Buck up. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Happy Sunday morning, everybody. What up? 9.02. And Mike and Rashad and Jesse are with you until 11 a.m. today doing Sports Sunday. Two weeks in a row, the three of us are here together. That's, that's It seems odd, right? It's rare in the summers. I feel like in the summers because... We make, sup, we make up sicknesses? No. <laughs> it's Can't generally the time where radio people are allowed to take time off is in the summer. So I, uh, I've got a couple more coming up, so... Fair warning. But there's a couple more Sundays I'm going to be out. But that's when you're supposed to take your uh, vacation days because football season pretty much frowned upon taking days. And then during the spring, you got the Super Bowl is in February. And then you move into the spring and you got basketball and you got the NBA finals and all this kind of stuff going on. And it's just like, well, I mean, don't really should really take days then either. So summer is uh, that's why everyone takes vacation in the summer for those who don't understand why swag is off every Monday this these next like two months and why Rop is out for two weeks starting next week and why Suk is out here and there. It's because we all take days in the summer. Well, that's why they call me Mr. No Days Off, except for two weeks ago <laughs> and maybe a couple weeks from now, you know, but you know, when things that, are happening. Yeah, exactly. I, I just took my time off during the week, got back from Vegas yesterday. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. You were posting some pictures on Facebook. Indeed. You saw David Copperfield, who I saw when I went to Vegas. I did. It was a little different than I was expecting. Yep. It was, um, I thought he was really funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, Marie and I thought so as well. But I thought he also seemed a little bit bored with doing the show after so many years. There felt like there was a little bit of like a, oh, I'm doing the story again. Well, and here's this. That's, and here's this. I think there was just like, uh, when I left, like, I was like, the magic that we saw was really, really good. He's obviously very, very good at magic, but it there was so much story to it that I was like, I feel like we could have added a 30% more magic to this equation if we just would have gotten rid of the storyline. If you're really that good, can't the you just... The storyline was kind of stupid. Yeah, it can't, was. Can't you just come up with some new tricks? Like, if, I mean, if you're David Copperfield, you're supposed well, to be the best magician in the world... I mean, why would you be bored? I would have like four or five sets that I could do. Just so you see something different. He, or did, like- he did do a new trick when we were in. I'm, I'm assuming you saw it. He said this is a fairly new one. It was the one with all the cards, and you pick the, pick the word, and you pull it down yes. from the, the ceiling. And he you have said the wristband. Yeah, he yeah. said that was a new one. So, I mean, it's not like he's not doing new tricks. Or was it a new one? Well, I guess, that's true. I guess he could say, you know. Well, whatever. I mean, you can only say that for so long. Because people do come back. 
and see the show for I mean I don't I don't I don't think I would go back and see the show but that's just because I don't think it would be Did you get picked good. to go up on stage and be a No the per, a the that we had uh, somebody, um, a couple that were from Amsterdam, actually Hungary and, and England, but they lived in Amsterdam, that were right next to us that got to go up. And so I was like, because <laughs> I, I wanted Marie to go up. She's just uh, such a huge fan of magic and loved David Copperfield so much. Um, so it was a really good experience. I just don't know if it was exactly what we were expecting because this guy's literally walked through the Great Wall of China. So Siegfried and Roy used to turn people into like lions and stuff like that or tigers. What? On stage, yeah. Sigfrid and Roy were not a magic show. I think they were. I think they were. I saw Sigfrid and Roy. It was, I mean, back when I was a kid. No, not them. What's the other one? Uh, oh, yeah. The, Are you the, sure? The Tiger Guys? Yeah. I don't like remember the, them being a magic show. I yeah, they were like an illusion show. Absolutely. They were like an illusion show in Vegas. I'm not, you got me double I'm thinking Penn and Teller's like, man, when I'm Well, I thought, that's what I thought you were talking about. No, Sigfrid and Roy are the other guys. They have the long, long hair. There's usually a white tiger. Well, one of them so, is remember one dead of them, now, right? Remember the, well, I don't know. Didn't the tiger maul one of them to death? No, not to death. Did maul one of them. Oh. Yes, I want to say it was Roy. Because they haven't done the show since then. I was actually living in Vegas at that time. And it, it was crazy. Everybody was everybody was angry at the tiger. Like, the tiger did something wrong. It was like, oh, my God, why would the tiger do that? And it's like, the tiger did what tigers are supposed to do. Yeah, the, the tiger's been a, a quote-unquote slave for its entire life. Like, Open your mouth, tiger. We're going to put our heads in there. Oh, and the crowd goes, oh, and starts giving the small golf clap. The tiger said, you know what? 15 years of this, I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> and had enough. I remember that was, that was a big story. But they, we thought they would come back, but... They had, like, this big compound that they lived in together in Vegas, like on uh, Charleston Street, I think it was. I can't remember. That's right. Rashad, for those who don't know, did live in Vegas for a couple of years. He went to UNLV for two years. But Go Rebs. Um, the other thing, too, that I thought it was, it was a funny thing. It, was, it had nothing to do with Copperfield. Is one of the people who had to throw something to the crowd, um, he threw it, and he threw it literally straight behind him. And it hit glasses of wine on a people's on a, someone's table, and it spilled wine all over everybody. Sounds like something that would happen there. It was like this big foam, like X X. Yes. And he, this guy, threw it backwards, and he completely screwed the throw up. And it literally maybe it that went was like the trick as fast as possible because he was right in front of them into this lady's face and into the wine, and everyone was just like, and it was like, whoa, <laughs> that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, get those people another <laughs> bottle of wine. Well, definitely comes across really random when you're picking your contestants that way. That is true. I mean, because that that was the same thing. It was like these, like the people he had helping was just like I, there were a bunch of foreign people, and so they didn't seem to understand English very well. And that happened with us too. Yeah, yeah. so it was just like, oh, this is those this are is plants, like, man. Well, that's what that's. So I'm gonna I want to talk yeah. to Jesse about. Actually, we could talk about it on the air too. Um, I wanted to see what he thinks though in the break about what happened specifically at his show, but. You know, he says everything is random. He says all the people he picks are random, mm -hmm. right? And it does seem so. I mean, you, you're, he's throwing, like, random things into the, Frisbees into the crowd. and stuff, yeah. And it, like, lands on the ground, and he goes, somebody pick it up, please. Like, he's like, please, somebody pick it, please. And people are just like, what? <laughs> so, to me, it doesn't seem random in that sense, or it does. But then, like, he, he had two women from China for one of his things that did not speak a lick of English. And he had to have them write down like a, a celebrity, uh -huh. a, an American celebrity. And I was like, they, how are they going to know this? What are they? And they chose like Elvis Presley. And I'm like, uh -huh. two women from China are going to choose Elvis Presley? Uh -huh. I'm telling you. 
the whole point of of magic. Did, they, did the people also choose Elvis Presley? We here? also. I, it wasn't uh, somebody from China, but we had an Elvis Presley written mm. down, mm. and it was all like the, the words written. Along the whole his point face of magic. It's, yeah. it's 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 an illusion. It is. We think that you know it's real, but in the end, it's just a show. Right. But you know? so, here, so here's the thing: if they are random people, right? Wouldn't they then go tell everybody we didn't write Elvis Presley down? Because that means that in some way, shape, or form, they got Elvis Presley to be the one that was written. You know that that kind of thing. Wouldn't those people then be like, "Yeah, that's that's not what we wrote." At or, the same, I like I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, part of the the idea of illusion too is to get people to, you know, if I guess part of my my thought process is if they were truly random, he also is pretty good at getting people to give the answer that he wants them to give. Right. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point, but. I, I'm just. But it, it, everybody knows there's plants in those audiences. Well, there definitely was at least one in mine, but I'm very curious. I'm gonna, again, I'm going to ask Jesse about this in the break because we don't need to dive too much into it on the show about if certain specific things happen that may maybe lead to plants. What um, else is happening in sports that we can talk magic all day? I mean, uh, the NBA draft happened in sports, and the World Cup is happening in sports. Well, and Oregon to, State made it to the talk college, about, you college talk World about Series the draft. championship. Well, yes, Oregon State for sure. Go what? Beavs, man. Well. Almost, mostly gobies. Still gobies. Mostly gobies. Um, yeah, we can talk about that. They they uh, lost the first game of the College World Series and won every single one since then to get to the final against Arkansas. Um, World Cup's going on. But yeah, I definitely want to spend some time on the NBA draft today, which we'll get to coming up next segment. But uh, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Oregon State a little bit. Maybe some World Cup. I don't know. I know you're not a big World Cup guy, but it's been pretty interesting. Um, and then we got Hater to Love It coming up at 10.30. And uh, that's about it. Anything you want to talk about today? Uh, we didn't really we didn't really have a lot of prep times. So. Not, I mean, not really. <laughs> I mean, I don't, there's really, I mean, free agency, I mean, by the time we come back next week. It'll get, be getting we will underway. Be, yeah, we will at least know somebody's going to, you know, decide where they're going by the first, I think, you know, so. All right. Well, maybe we'll get to that a little bit too. But that's all coming up. Text us on the fan text line at 55305. You can find us on Twitter at 1080thefan, at MikeLynch27 is me, at Rashad, or at TaylorMade503 is Rashad, and Jesse is at Jesse Osman, A-S-Z-M-A-N. Coming up next, let's listen to Neil Olshay explain Anthony Simons at 24, as well as some of the other draft nuggets that he had at his press conference on Thursday. We'll start there, here on Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Nine fifteen here on your Sunday morning. Lots of sports upcoming on Sports Sunday. Don't you worry. Less magic, more sports. Mike and Rashad with you till eleven a.m. We will be spending some time here this hour on the NBA draft and obviously the Blazers draft as they take Anthony Simons with the 24th overall pick on Thursday. He is from the IMG Academy. That's because he did not go to college. He went was uh, committed to Louisville. When Rick Pitino got fired, he decommitted from Louisville, and instead of going to another college, he decided to play at the IMG Academy and train and then go into the NBA draft after that. Um, and then they took Gary Trent Jr., uh, Blazer Bloodlines on that one, they, tra- they, they uh, tra- traded two second-round draft picks to draft Gary Trent Jr. in the second round, pretty high in the second round. I think it was the 37th pick overall. 
And um, those are their two picks. And generally, I felt like Blazer fan was very, 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 very disappointed after the draft. I don't know if there was a lot of hope that something great was going to happen, but I think that there was some hope that they would trade up and try to get a, a better impact player or be able to trade the pick and use the trade exception that they have, the $13 million one, which is a pretty good size trade exception, to get a veteran player. Um, because Neil O'Shea even said that after the playoff series. He said it in an interview. He goes, we got exposed. It was some, I'm, I'm, this is not exact words. I'm just – this is generally what he said. We got exposed for being a team that didn't have a lot of playoff experience. They got down big and nobody could step up and and kind of change the guard. And he said he wanted some veterans who had playoff experience on the team to help come off the bench. I think he tried to accomplish it. And when we play the clip here in a minute, you'll, you'll hear him explain that he tried to accomplish it. But generally, pretty pretty flat on the draft front for me this year and for a lot of Blazer fans. Uh, I... I, I... Very seldom watched the NBA draft, but I was really intrigued by by this one. Um, we know we've been hearing about how deep it is, and really, Michael Porter Jr. went 14th overall, so that kind of lets you know how many good players, or at least projected good players, were in this draft. But then, like you know, usually like any draft, right after around 15 or 16, um, it's a it's a crap. Sh- you know, it's it's really a, kind of a gamble. So the first thing I'll say is this. I don't really know of many players taken at the 24 spot that have been game changers. Like there are some anomalies that come out of the second round. You know, you'll get your Ginobili every now and then and your Draymond Green. Uh, guys like that will, will will pop up every now and then. But those are few and far between. Much like the 24th pick is going to be just an impact player for you. So I don't think anybody really thought that they were going to get a uh, you know, a, a Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant type of player no, as a 24th not pick. Not a 24th pick. What I didn't think people, or what I, what I do think people thought was that you wouldn't go and take the one position on the floor that you know you're kind of okay at, which is point guard. But then in the playoffs, you saw that you're really not okay at those positions because bigger guards give them a problem. So you went out and got a guard that's the exact same height as the two stars of your team who also a, doesn't play very good defense who doesn't play good defense who never played a college game it, uh, i'm just i was really confused and i said on, on some on twitter and it was kind of tongue-in-cheek but it was also i'm being kind of serious like i think o'shea was kind of trolling fans like oh well you didn't like this well i'm gonna go ahead and give you more of it it's like i I don't understand robert williams was still on the board and i get that there were some injury concerns there much like with um, with Michael Porter Jr., but if you listen to any of the analysts, and if they were right, man, he is a top ten talent. He, you know, injuries just just kept him back. And I, I don't want the Blazers. We we say, oh, we have a bad history. And you and I talked about this before. I we think started. Robert Williams also had a bad off the the court history too, if I remember reading correctly. There's just he, he generally wasn't the most focused, or I don't know exactly. Yeah, what it yeah, was. that's I, I heard a lot of that too. It was just he. He wasn't really, you know, as like he as overslept focused. getting drafted, which is just like a small example of something like he just doesn't care that much, you know, that kind of a thing. It, it that, that could very well be that, but I think also, man, that that comes with coaching and it comes with maturity and and some of those other things. And well, going taking, to Boston's if, good for him. If you're taking projects, which is exactly what you're doing, you just took a high school kid basically who, who's never played against college people, and I'm I, you get you got something that doesn't help the team win. 
Like, if the draft is the only way that the Blazers are going to get better, and we've acknowledged this, there's not going to be through free agency. It's going to, to be through who you draft in the draft. And trades. And trades, hopefully. Uh, you took something that doesn't help your team. You didn't get a rim protector. You didn't get a defender. You didn't get anything that helps the development and growth of the, of the team at this point. And so that's why I was kind of like, I don't, I don't, well, I don't get this pick. I'll dispute that slightly. Now, the Blazers need the most a three and D guy, right? A guy who can play the three, he can shoot the three, and he can play defense. That's their number one need, correct? In your opinion, I think so. So they did not get that. I will, I will give you that. But here's what the Blazers also need: they need shooting badly they need players outside of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum who can shoot the three consistently Simons is supposed to be one of the best shooters in the draft and then they took who people said was the best shooter in the draft and Gary Trent Jr. from Duke so they did get shooting which is something that they needed and I do think that Trent Jr. is going to have much more of an impact early than the Simons kid because he lit it up at Duke shooting from three so that's good off the bench also I don't think Shabazz Napier is that good I think that, and he's a free agent, so I don't think you want to resign Shabazz Napier. Um, insert Anthony Simons, who would be a backup point guard and or backup shooting guard, I suppose. I guess he's more of a shooting guard based on what I read. So you got a backup guard, which you did need, and you got shooting, which you did need. So you didn't get nothing that you needed. Now, I think Blazer fans want those things less than better defense uh, from a different position than a guard, but at least you did get shooting. I... I... I came out that night. Um, this the Simons pick. Just once again, that if I'm a CJ, I'm a Dame. I'm frustrated with the pick just from the fact that this doesn't help us now. It's another move, just like last year, where it's uh, wait and see, guys. Wait and see. This guy's got uh, his his potential is huge. Next year, he's he would have been a top five pick. Blah blah blah. It's just like basically we took a high school pick in a one and done era and so that was frustrating now I did like the Trent Jr. pick a lot because he is one of the best shooters in the draft and he's six foot six so I think he could come in there and he could probably play the three I mean he's a little small probably but I think he could play the three alongside he's pretty, he's pretty skinny yeah but bulk him up and if you want him in there to shoot anyways if you need a guy in there to shoot a three alongside a dame and a CJ the way you sh showed you needed in the playoffs, and let's face it, in the NBA, going small is not that big of a deal anymore. Uh, yeah, in I, fact, I think going big is the wrong move. Exactly. That's why center. you're seeing a lot of centers not getting drafted as high as you expect because people are realizing it's a dying position. So, I mean, I like the, the Trent Jr. pick a lot because it didn't take much to get him, and I think he gives you firepower in a team that obviously need him out, outside your two stars. But um, out the the... The other pick, the Simmons pick, is just, I just frustrating. Don't get that one. I'm good with Gary Trent Jr. I saw him play. I saw what he's able to do. I saw that he can shoot it from the logo. So I'm good with him, you know, being on the Blazers roster because, again, like you said, Lynch, the one thing you need is another shooter or another you need few many shooters. shooters and you yeah. Need, yeah, and so I'm good with that. Like, I would have been – and to be honest, I would have been okay with him taking him at 24. I would have understood that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, saying? you got him later, so I guess Yeah, no, value. so I, I, I totally would have understood that. But I, I'm, I'm looking at a – at a young kid who plays the exact same position as the other two stars of the team, which have seemed to be a weakness for the Blazers. There's also a small bucket-getting, no-defense player. Instead of going to get in a, getting a, a, a solid defender or at least a solid rim protector, like I said, I think this take is, takes a lot of pressure 
off of Nurkic, who over this past year we saw, I'm not going to say become soft, but become more and more, you know, I guess aware of the situation when he was down low. He, he got his nose busted up a couple times. I think he's lost a couple teeth in between there. I think him not having to take on the load as being the quote-unquote tough guy would be good for him. So here is Neil O'Shea on drafting Simons. Now, li- think about Listen to Olshay's tone of voice and compare it to how he normally sells his draft picks and tell me you think he actually likes this pick compared to what he's done in the past. We're, we're looking for the guy with the highest ceiling we can possibly find. Um, he's really gifted. Um, we just we felt like he was the most talented guy on the board. He's got a really bright future. He works. Uh, he can dribble. He can pass. He can shoot. He's a high-level athlete. We know he's going to work. Um, his skill set, set translates. You know, when, when the physical growth catches up to his natural God-given ability, he's going to be a really good player. So, you know, really high ceiling. Um, you know, some risk in that, you know, it's not a guy with a big body of work because he didn't play at the college level, but that's our job. Our job's not to play it safe. Our job's to go get the guy that has the talent that if he pans out, you're not going to get as a free agent and nobody's going to trade him to you. So that's what we're trying to find. Tell me he doesn't sound defeated at the beginning of that clip. He sounds confused. He doesn't know he, what to say. But he, go, he goes, well, we needed to be- pick the best player in the draft at that time. He's a high ceiling player. Every everything he said was very kind of like we got stuck picking this kid at twenty four. And I, I didn't want this twenty fourth pick. I wanted to do something else. And that's and that's G that's GM talk. Was I mean everybody in the not, draft though, has a. I think most people in the draft have a high ceiling. You but know that's what, I mean? what I'm saying though is that GM talk for Neil O'Shea. He's vibrant. He's bubbly. He's selling the guy to death. And this one he goes, oh well, you know it's the best player available. Well, I, I also I I'm think you know right Neil Olshay is an actor. You know this is uh, that's a part of who he is is to make sure he sells the product. He sells the Blazers' well, dream. He's not selling you know it very well, very yeah. well right now. Hey man, Denzel made me believe that he is a contract killer. You know what I mean? I don't think Denzel could be any further from the truth. But that's what actors do. They they make you believe that they are really great at what they do. And I think Olshay over the past little bit has made us believe he's really really great at what he's doing. He's talked to, uh, not going to say talked a great game, but uh, this is confusing to me. And we look at them looking at the last few decisions and like, man, some of these are confusing, but I digress. Well, here's one more before we go to break. Uh, and I do have a, another one. We're going to play next segment as well, but this is uh, apparently Rick Pitino because he's trustworthy. Talked to Neil O'Shea about Anthony Simons. Cause remember he was committed to Louisville mm-hmm. and then left once Rick Pitino lost his job because of the whole Adidas paying player scandal thing. Here is uh, Olshay on that. Um, you know, Coach Patino called called me and raved about him that, you know, look, you know, when the lights come on, you know, he's as good as any player I've ever recruited and might have a higher ceiling than any player I ever recruited. And, you know, just because he doesn't make a big show of it, um, I think one of the way, one of the guys, one of the coaches said, um, he's all bite, no bark, which I thought was a really interesting way to describe him. You know, that when, when, he's, when he's out there playing, He's playing for blood, but he's just such a sweet, nice kid. He doesn't feel the need to show everybody how hard he's competing. I think that's if you're looking for a positive and if you believe Neil O'Shea and you believe Rick Pitino, then there you go. There's a little bit of a positive right there that he's a great player when the lights go on. He's a he's a good under pressure player that just gets it done. So a little, little bit of a positive. That doesn't have to all be negative, right? I guess. I mean, yeah, that's that's a positive. He he likes to play basketball and he's good at it. <laughs> That's, he enjoys I, the I, game that's of cool. basketball. That's cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he pans out because, again, I just don't want to see this team 
just in a, as a first-round exit anymore. Would love to see them kind of mature and grow. Wouldn't we all? And and who knows? Maybe this kid has a four four inch growth spurt over the next little bit. He's already got a wingspan that's like what six eight something something stupid like that. So who knows? Maybe he has a growth spurt and turns into a, a six five six six, you know, wing. And that's exactly right. what the Blazers could use. You're right. Maybe that's a little glass half full right there. I mean, hey. So text your thoughts to the fan text line at five five three zero five. How do you feel about the Simons and Trent picks? Uh, we'll read some of those coming up next. Plus, one last bit of audio about Olshay saying that he did try to trade that pick, but it just wasn't happening this year. That's next, but here's Jesse with sports. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Text line is 55305. Text your thoughts on the fan or on the uh, draft for the Blazers. And we will uh, read some of them on the air, including this one. Did Olshay actually take the best player available with Simons? Uh, debatable. I- I'm assuming to him it was the best player available because of the, the highest ceiling. But as you heard him say in the clip we played last segment, he said this doesn't come without risk. We're not trying to take a safe player. We're trying to take a, a big boomer bust kind of player. And honestly, I'm I'm okay with that at the 24 pick. Like we've talked about this. The 24 pick is it's such a crapshoot. Rashad said crapshoot earlier. It's I think that's the best chance or the best time to take a player with a really high ceiling with a lot of risk is in the 24 range. Because if you pop, wow, you got a lot of value for the 24th pick. If he doesn't, well, it's 24th pick. You didn't expect a lot anyway, right? So, sure, he probably took the best player available at, at that point. Maybe there was some some other guy there that other GMs had ranked higher, but to Olshay, that was the best player available. Um, and then this text says Simmons, or Simons, I'm going to say Simmons a lot. Simons is CJ 2.0. We are going to move him, and then Simons fills his role. I could see that, too. I did have that thought that Simon. they do say shooting guard on mm-hmm. his profile, even though I've also heard point guard. So I guess combo guard is probably what would be what he would be called. Um, he does seem very, very similar to CJ. He's a he's a bucket getter. I was reading a scouting report on him, and the, the, the verdict said potential high point, bucket getter. And I'm like, oh, so he's CJ. That's exactly what a CJ is. So not that he's going to be as good as CJ immediately, obviously, because he's 19 and needs to fill out his body and all that kind of stuff. But... If they are looking to trade CJ, then that's a perfect fit to take his spot, except it's also exactly the same reason that you've been losing in the playoffs, an undersized guard is a bucket getter. But that's besides the point. Maybe it means they're going to try to get better elsewhere by using CJ as a trade asset. Maybe, right? We have no idea because Neil O'Shea doesn't say anything and the media doesn't have anything about the Blazers normally. So that's a, that is a potentially that is a potential future thing that's going to happen there. Um, yeah. So I I agree with that text. Do you, do you see that happening? Do you want them to trade CJ and have Simons be the, the fill-in for him? I mean, or is it too not, soon for that? Not yet. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we, Simons could be, or Simmons, Simons? Simons. One okay. M. Simons could be, he could very well be, you know, like you said, CJ 2.0. Maybe he could be 6'5". We don't know. Um, but I know what CJ is right now, and he's a dude that can put up 25 points, um, a game he put up what 21 this past season 2021 you can a game. put up 50 a game uh he's a somebody game, that he can, can put up 50 in and in the nba I, I know that's it sounds 
Like, it's easy to go out there and get 20, but there's only maybe 15 or to 20 dudes in the NBA that average 20 points, and CJ just happens to be one of them. You know, so you got to kind of keep that in in context because he knows how to get buckets right now. And it wasn't a – we got to stop acting like CJ hasn't worked hard to get to where he is. You know, he came in, dealt with some injuries early, man, and then he worked his way up. He was a, he was on the bench when um, when LaMarcus and all those other guys were here. And then he worked his way into the starting lineup. And then he, he the became – foot. Well, yeah, and then he, and then he became – a, a very good NBA score. So you got to give CJ and all the credit in the world for the the player that he's kind of morphed into because you don't see a lot of six, three dudes in the NBA that are able to score like he is like you, you really don't like him, Bradley Beal, uh, Dane, you know what I'm saying? Steph, like there's not a lot of dudes in the NBA that are that height that can really put up buckets like that. So during the draft, a lot of us, expected the Blazers to try to trade the 24 pick, move up in the draft, or get a veteran player for the 24 pick and the trade exception. That was kind of what they were trying to do. Um, A, I guess we all probably overvalued just out of hope the 24 pick because who's going to trade a veteran for the 24th pick in the draft? Not a lot of teams, unless there's a, unless that trade exception is so valuable to them. And it, it is a decent size one. It's like $13.5 million. But here is Olshay when asked, if he tried to trade out of the 24 pick? We did. Um, we were trying, you know, look for teams where 24 would get us an impact rotation guy um, into the trade exception. You know, as you saw, I think tonight, tonight wasn't about players, um, you know, existing players. Tonight was about the draft. This was an incredibly deep draft. Um, it was a, it was something of a convoluted draft. I think when we looked at it, you know, we had one through 24, right? Just, some of the ordering was different. Um, you know, wasn't it this as chalky as some drafts are in terms of the order? Um, there were a couple of upsets as far as, you know, our projections. But we did. We were really aggressive leading up to the draft. But it's got to be a very specific fit. It's got to be a very specific guy in terms of skill set. Um, and it's got to be a guy we believe can make an impact. So, you know, that was tonight wasn't the night to do that. Um, you know, we've got 10 days till free agency. We've got early July. Um, you know, one of the things I've talked about, you know, we have – there's different ways, right? You know, we thought tonight would have had to fit the Mason Plumley model, right, where we had the 23rd pick in the draft. We didn't love what we had at that selection, so we moved it for Mace. Um, there are other – you know, we got into early July. July 4th is when we made the trade for Rolo, right? We needed a big – we were patient, generated an opportunity, got Rolo. Um, years before that, you know, that we had the room mid-level – we didn't just give it to the next available guy. We were patient. Early August, we got Mo Williams when he missed his market. So, you know, we're going to have to be really judicious. We don't have a ton of tools at our disposal in terms of um, without conveying players on the roster, you know, in terms of adding veteran help in the rotation. But we've got the next two weeks now, um, you know, to kind of shift focus and address that. But I think league-wide tonight, what we saw was tonight was probably more about the draft exclusively than we've seen. I don't think there was an impact trade in terms of players changing hands tonight. It was basically picks. So, okay, true. There was, there was actually zero current players involved in moves during the draft. That is true. And uh, he, he is right by saying the team's focus solely on uh, the draft instead of moving players that were actually on the teams currently. The weird thing to me about that clip is – he referenced all of these great moves he made that were good moves. 
none of those players are still on the team. He referenced trading the 23rd pick, which turned into Rondae Hollis Jefferson, to the Nets for Mason Plumley, who's gone. He mentioned trading for Robin Lopez, who was a good impact player, who's gone. He mentioned Mo Williams, he's gone. Um, you know, it's he's mentioning a bunch of players, all of these successes of players that he look at all these great moves that we've made. Well, except they weren't that great, I guess, because he didn't want to keep any of those players. No. So, yes, if I can borrow an old shade term, in a vacuum, um, those were great trades. They were. They really were. I mean, getting Mason Plumley for that Ronnie Hollis Jefferson pick was good. And you got used to Nurkic out of it. So, I mean, sure, it turned out fine because Nurkic is better than Plumley. At least the potential is, is there for him to be better than Plumley. Um, and, and so on and so forth. But. To me, that, that screams of, look at all these great things I did in the past because I really screwed up the last few years by giving up with the, giving away these huge contracts to Alan Crabb and to Evan Turner, and now I'm stuck because I don't have any salary cap space and I can't do anything. So forgive me, but look at all these great things I did in the past that are no longer relevant anymore. That's what that screamed to, to, to me. Um, Yeah, look at what I did and not what I've been doing over the past little bit. you know. And I think that's exactly where he was trying to go with that and Man, I, I disagree with him. That wasn't the best player to take in this draft right there. Um, I, again, I've seen some of the other guys play. Um, I, I think Omari Spellman, um, the kid that went to Atlanta, he played for Villanova, and he was almost kind of like a Draymond Green, high motor, go out there and impact player today. You know, I think a guy like Robert Williams, who's, again, a rim protector, is an impact player today. You know, everybody's talking about, the Warriors possibly getting that kid from Cincinnati who could help them win today once Kevin Durant or whomever goes on the bench. Like, they just keep finding these guys. Yeah, I think a and, lot of Blazer fans wanted them to take that Jacob Evans yeah, kid. Yeah, and, and and here's who said you had to trade players? Like, we saw a lot of draft picks traded, you know, in with in this draft. So Right, but what he he is saying is he wants a veteran rotation player to add to the team. And he was trying to acquire that in the draft, which obviously was not happening. Well, like you said, go out, go, go get Rodney Stuckey, like you're planning to do when the season is, you know, when when the draft is over. But for now, man, figure out the way to get the best kid possible. Like, does anybody really want or need a draft pick in next year's draft? I mean, if especially if it's going to be right around the 19th to 29th pick, does anybody really care? I don't. At that point, so man, give, give next year's draft pick, give your second away, give this man trade up and get somebody. Like if you're just trading picks, if it's like that, go ahead and do it, man. Make a splash, try something because you got a kid who honestly he may be a great kid and might turn yeah, into a great player. Maybe we crow on this. But. Maybe we do, but for right now, I just given what we've seen from this Blazer team, this doesn't seem like it helps. It's just frustrating from a, a team that you see so close and, and, and granted so far away at the same time because of the super team era, but they're they're so close to being a legitimate good threat of a team in the West. You just need a couple pieces and the, the it, it's a, you know, it's so close, but at the same time, it's so far away and it's so frustrating because you have a guy like Alex Collins and then this Simon's pick and you're just, it's potential, potential, potential for a team that needs help now. Well, and that's the problem, too, is even if you did all the right things, even if they were able to trade up and get a different player or get a veteran with the trade, you're still not beating the Warriors. You're still not no. beating no, the Rockets. But, so no. it's like you're improving and you're getting slightly better, but that's the that's the whole problem with the NBA right now is teams that are good but not great 
you're stuck and because the teams that are great are just getting greater and it's impossible. And keep this in mind. Like I just saw this. Um, I can't remember what website I was looking at, but if LeBron indeed goes to Houston, let's say he goes ahead and goes to Houston. You know, the Warriors are still favored to win the championship and it's really still not close. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't matter what anyone else does. I mean, short of everybody on the Warriors breaking a significant bone, in their, you know, in their body somewhere to where they can't play. Outside of that, like that, it's gonna be, have to be an act of God to to keep the Warriors out of the finals. I just feel like you could have done something a little bit more jazzy. I I'm I'm kind of, I know Rashad's gonna be with me on this one. Is you know I I feel like in some way, shape, or form, maybe you could have mo- moved up into that 13, 14 spot, which is guess what? That's where Michael Porter Jr. went. And oh, granted, we're gonna talk about that. Oh Jesse, my, dude, that's I I, di- I disagree with you two on that. And I, I, I actually agree with your thought process, but I just don't agree with the player. Um, so, But let's save that because I do want to talk about that. Um, but, yeah, and, and I, I guess we'll talk about that next. But just generally, I guess that's the problem with being a Blazer fan right now is you can hope that things are going to get better. You can hope that you can stick as the three seed or the four seed and maybe not lose in the first round. But in the end... It I think that's why happen. so many Blazer fans have other teams that they like. As I quote Lincoln Park. Just because, you know... I we I think you kind of know at the end of the day, like, man, you're not really going to. I love my Blazers and everything, but I also rock with uh, fill in the blank just because. Yeah, it's you, like you they're my Eastern team. Conference team because I know the Blazers aren't going to make it out of the West. Yeah, you know? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I like it's, the Sixers it's, it's, it's right kind of now. Like they're that. fun yeah. and they're young. Exactly, yeah. and I think that's kind of what I think most Blazer fans, quietly, if nothing else, feel that way. All right, coming up next, Rashad said this on Twitter on Thursday, and I guess Jesse agrees with him. He thinks they should have tried anything they could have possibly done to trade up to 14 to get Michael Porter Jr. I, on the other hand, disagree. But we'll discuss that next here on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.50 a.m. here on your Sunday morning. Mike and Rashad with you till 11. Talking some NBA draft and the Blazers. We'll get to some of the rest of the actual draft outside of the Blazers coming up in the next hour, uh, including top couple of picks and who we think might be successful. But right here, we're going to be focusing on the 14th overall pick. The last pick. Of the, uh, of the lottery, what do they call it? Of the lottery picks this year? I thought the lottery yeah. was only 13 picks. No, I think it's 14 is the last pick. Um, it, the last pick of the lottery 14. this year was Michael Porter Jr. He who committed to Washington and then switched to Mizzou because his dad got fired and or, or whatever the situation was. Romar got fired. Right, Romar got fired. And he went to Mizzou, which is where he grew up, and he barely, barely played. He got injured in his first game, back injury, missed the entire season, came back for the SEC tournament, played in like a game and a half, and that was it because they got eliminated. That was Michael Porter Jr.'s freshman year. Reminded me a lot of uh, Kyrie Irving's freshman year. Played less games than Kyrie did, but Kyrie missed almost the entire season for Duke. Turned out to be an elite point guard in the league. Uh, Although, as we're finding out, also injury concerns and problems for Kyrie Irving. Um And Rashad tweeted this. If Michael Porter Jr. drops out of the top 10, 
Portland better trade up immediately with caps. two exclamation points. Caps. Well, that's why I yelled it. Yeah. All caps, two exclamation points. And I quote tweeted it and said because they need another oft-injured player in their history. I was being a little snarky just for some fun. But I get it. Um, Friction creates fire. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I saw that tweet and I was like, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a very good player, right? Potentially the, one of the best players in the draft. But when I saw that, all I could think of was massive back injury that made him miss his entire freshman year almost, that flared up before the draft, that 13 teams up, up until that point, or I guess 10 since you tweeted it in the top 10, 10 teams up to that point skipped on the potential best player in the draft because of an injury. Apparently his agent, the day of the draft, started running around or faxing or emailing injury uh, like a medical report from a doctor proving how healthy he was. That to me doesn't scream healthy. That to me doesn't scream, oh, we're confident in his ability to come back from this back injury as good as he was before, right? So with all of that being said, I went, in my head, I went, there's no way if I'm a GM that I'm touching Michael Porter Jr. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it with how serious the back injury was and how how much it looks like it's still impacting him. I think what happened pre-draft, the the... Remember, he canceled a workout because he had back spasms and a hip strain, right? And everyone was like, well, when you have back issues, guess what? Your other joints and stuff and muscles start to get overused because you're compensating inc incorrectly. And then you start hurting yourself. And he goes, no, 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 no. It was fine. I just woke up and felt weird. B.S. You woke up and felt weird. This is the same thing. You're trying to save your draft stock. This is the exact same injury that caused you to miss the entire year at Mizzou that you probably came back too soon from. So to me... If I'm a GM, I am not touching Michael Porter Jr. So when you said that, I, a lot of Blazer fans wanted them to try to trade up to get Michael Porter Jr. And I understand the logic behind it because of his potential. But because of the injury, no. For me, it was a, a complete no way. I, I, I get that. I get being kind of squeamish because of the injury. But at the same time, he hasn't had any NBA doctors to work with him. And actually, the person that did his back surgery is the same dude that did Tiger Woods. And Tiger is just so damn strong. Every time he swings, I think he gives himself uh, a, a back spasm. But, man, it, it, if you can get this kid with the talent that he is and have him sit for a year, make sure his back is good, and maybe it's not even a year. What if it's only, you know, NBA is a long season. What if it's only 40 games, you know, 50 games that he ends up missing and then he's able to come back? Man, Denver is in a great situation, much like Portland, to where, man, you have a guy that you don't need to use right now. Like Denver and the Clippers, if they had taken him, man, they were they were in the playoff contention this year. They just barely missed the cut. So those are teams that are kind of already set up to be relatively okay. Just just considering, you know, uh, the Clippers were able to keep everything together. Man, put Michael Porter Jr. on that team, they might have been a little bit better. You put him on this Denver team, and now all of a sudden they look really good. Portland had an opportunity, should have, in my opinion found some way to trade up and and get that guy. Let go of that 20, of your next year's pick and give your two seconds away and see if you can get this kid. If there's that many injury concerns about him, man, go for it. Like does this, let, me, let me just throw this in there. Does this make give you any pause? And we got this text and I had to look it up. It's the same surgery that Tiger Woods and Steve Kerr had to have on their backs. And he's 19 years old. The same surgery. Tiger Woods just now, it took years and years and years of fusion surgeries to get him back to even being somewhat competitive. And Steve Kerr has 
massive issues. But yeah, but Steve Kerr is also fifty. Yeah, you know what I'm saying he's also there. like you know fifty five years old. That's, Tiger, he's a nineteen year old who needed that surgery. Oh, but I'm saying it's much easier to recover at nineteen than it is yes. at fifty. Steve Kerr is going to miss some games at fifty something years old once he gets a back surgery. This eighteen nineteen year old can probably figure out a way to get back on the floor in a year. That's just the difference. If I bump my knee right now at 35, I'm going to feel that for the next few days. Man, when I was 17 or 18 and I did that, it would have been gone in an hour. But that's just the way the, the human body works. So, yes, I do think Michael Porter Jr. can get over this. And as Blazer fans, the first thing that comes in your mind is Greg Oden. The first, that's why you don't want to touch him, the injury. The, first, the other thing that comes to your mind is Sam Bowie. But – the Blazers have a bigger history of passing on guys than passing on them for, or than, than, than taking guys with injuries. That's just, that's always been what it is, man. You go back to 2004 or five, whenever Chris Paul was, or uh, whenever um, the Blazers took Martel Webster with the fifth overall pick and left Chris Paul and Darren Williams on the board. You know, the, the Blazers could have had um, Dennis Johnson or something like that. And instead they took, Somebody who wasn't Dennis Johnson that year, <laughs> you know, Wally Walker. Who was Wally Walker? You could have had Dennis Johnson, Robert Wally, Parrish. Wally World from vacation. You, you could have had Dennis We're in nineteen in the 1970. Look, let's put this into context. This is why the Blazers have a bigger history of passing on guys than actual injuries. Man, nineteen seventy six. Instead of getting Robert Parrish, Adrian Dantley, Alex English, and Dennis Johnson, you took Wally Walker. Moving on to 05, Like I said, you could have had Chris Paul. You could have had Darren Williams. Man, you took high school kid Martel Webster. You know, you... Uh, you pure shot in the draft, bro. Obviously, he had the purest he, shot in the draft. So, I, like I mean, you, you just, like you just don't know. Too. Like yeah. your GM, bro. Hey, we who talked... Draft, about, who drafted Martel? Dude? Who was the GM then? Was that... Uh, uh, Pritchard. Was that Pritchard then? No, Pritchard's first uh, pick was Brandon Roy in... Uh, um, oh, seven or whatever that yeah, was? Yeah, that was 06. 06? Yeah. Um, but we talked about Myers Leonard. He was like, man, there were no good players taken after Myers Leonard. I disagree. You could have had Terrence Jones, who's 12 points and, and eight rebounds for his career. You could have had Evan Fournier, who's still playing in the NBA. You could have had there's somebody else. Draymond Green was taken in the second round that year. There's dudes you yeah, could have played. Yeah, so, but you can't. Don't use Draymond as an but, example. Come on. Why not? Because Draymond, nobody expected Draymond to be this good, and he got picked late because he was a senior and he was undersized, and he turned out to have like one of the best work ethics in the NBA. That's all I'm saying is – you can't you can't look at every player that they didn't draft. No, and but be like they missed. No, well, but 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 to you but to your credit, you were saying that man Myers Myers there was no good players after Myers. Yeah, there were there were some guys you could have taken after Myers, and so I totally get it. Like while Blazers fans are squeamish about taking an injured guy, I, I totally understand that. But at the same time, man, don't let those two guys in the history of of the franchise be the reason look, why you would stay away from. Look, them. there's injuries. And then there's what appears to be an incredibly serious back injury. As for a 19-year-old kid, yes, right. I agree. To me, that makes it even worse, right? The back back injuries almost never get fully better, right? Back injuries linger. It's the most delicate part of your body. The most important part of your body is your spine. So to me, that just increases the fear of him not being able to have a full career. And look, if he's able to bounce back and turn into an elite player, then... Shame on me for having this opinion, but I do not think that is worth trading up a bunch of assets to get a guy who might not play for a year and a half because of it, or might not ever be a great player because but, of the injury. But you got a guy who might not play at all this year, right? Like, look, look, by look, that look, same look. token. So I, yeah, I'm trying. I'm not trying to say the Simon's pick is any different than that. What I'm trying to say is, 
that by itself is a dangerous thing to do, right? Because of the injury. I'm not, I don't have any control over who they took at 24, but in my head, I'm like, don't go up and get Porter because I think you're going to regret it. That's all. That's uh, what I'm saying. But at the point, you're you're not regretting it because how many assets do you really have to give up to get up to 13, 14? You don't really have to give up that much because that it, it's a lottery pick. But I mean, how valuable was that 10th pick last year? Yeah, but Jesse, it, the, they had the 24th pick. I get it. So you send the 24th pick, you send another pick, you send one of our worthless bench pieces and you go and you 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 roll the dice. That's what you're doing already. Roll the dice bigger. Go for a bigger jackpot. But I think I because think, that's what you need to do with this team. You cannot like you. You already are gambling. Gamble bigger. That's all we're saying. I'm just saying I don't think that you could have gotten that pick with what you're talking about because the Blazers are a playoff team, right? Or a contending playoff team. So they they have the 24th pick. Let's say you send a future first. It could be the 20th pick, right? Let's just be is put it somewhere in the middle. And you said in Jake Lehman. That's going to be enough to move you up to a lottery pick in this I, year's it, draft? Honest, a, a 13, 14, that, they're not very valuable. Once you get past like those first six picks, they're not that valuable. Let, look at the history of the NBA. And, and my, my question is, like, really, I know we have to break, but if you're a Blazers fan, like, oh. what do you have to lose? Yeah, like, you have nothing to lose <laughs> at this point. Like, there, there's you, – you're really not stuck – on anybody on the team not named Dame or CJ. So really, what do you have to lose? Like, you could have made any move. All right, let's break. You can text your thoughts to the fan text on 55305. Coming up next, what else did you like or dislike from the NBA draft outside of the Blazers? This is the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.